This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. At the Bear Lake Trailhead, we were standing there with our friends Bob and Sue. And Sue and I went to use the bathroom. And when we came back, Matt, there was a crowd of people around you. They thought you were a ranger. There was and they a were line. Asking you there was a line. And, and I don't know why people, they must not have seen the, the word introvert on my t shirt. But Bob and I were just standing there waiting for you. I, I don't know. Maybe I had. Dark green pants on or something. Maybe I looked like a ranger. You did. So somebody asked me a question. And somebody heard me give that answer. And they got in line behind that person. And then a line formed. And you guys came out of the bathroom. And I just walked away. They looked at me like the, the ranger just, just walked away from the line. This is the Dear Bob and Sue podcast, stories from our journey to all the U.S. national parks and other public lands. I'm Karen Smith. And I'm Matt Smith. We're the authors of the Dear Bob and Sue series of books. In this episode, we're talking about Rocky Mountain National Park in Colorado. With majestic peaks in every direction, wildlife roaming the valleys, and some of the most incredible hiking trails in the country, it's no wonder that Rocky Mountain is one of the most visited national parks. We'll discuss some of the best things to do inside the park, as well as in the town of Estes Park, just outside the park. And we'll go over important details about the day-use reservation system, which you'll need to secure before you even get to the park. All this and more, coming up next. A lot of questions about what national parks are good for kids. And in our experience, one of the absolute best national parks to take your kids would be Rocky Mountain National Park. Yeah, we took our kids many times there. We did from yeah. when we lived in Kansas. Yeah, when they were younger. Mm-hmm. I think we started around 1992. Uh, we used to take our summer vacation there with, with friends and family. Uh, there in Estes Park. Yeah, we vacationed with other families who had children the same age. And we had one big house of friend, friends of ours had a large house in Estes Park that fit all of us. And we'd stay there for a week and have a great time. Some of the best memories for us and for our kids growing up were those weeks that we spent in in the Rocky Mountain National Park area. Um, and one of the great things I remember, and I don't know if this makes us sound like bad parents, <laughs> but what we would do is we would take our kids during the week, I think it was Monday through Thursday, the YMCA there 
uh, just outside the park had a day camp for kids. And, you know, it was like from nine to three. And we would drop our kids off there with their lunches. And they would do all kinds of great things like horseback ride and arts and crafts. Yeah, I don't know why you think that that's being a bad parent, (laughs) that we parked our kids. Now, we did, the second day, we did have to actually stop the car, the, the camp counselor said you can't just slow roll open the doors and have your kids jump out which i get <laughs> even though we had a minivan and we could open the doors and they could, they could just jump out while the car is still moving but <laughs> we would park okay hold their we'll hand hold their hand to come up to the drop off yeah put a piece of masking tape on them with their name and and address. (laughs) Well, the thing was, it was really fun for everyone because the grownups then, we would hike in Rocky Mountain National Park or we would go to breweries or we would nap or basically we did whatever we wanted, which was, you know. It was our vacation too. It was our vacation Those were children rearing years. (laughs) (laughs) And everyone who's in the midst of, of the child rearing years knows what that's like. Yeah. I looked it up to see if the YMCA was still there. And of course it's there. I think it's an institution there. Um, so well, it, we didn't tell our kids it was <laughs> an institution. <laughs> so if they're listening to this, which they don't, they don't listen to our episodes. So like maybe 20 years from now, they'll listen to this and realize we took them to an institution during the day. <laughs> That's right. It's a day institution. I'm sure no lasting damage was done to our kids. (laughs) Anyway, it's called the YMCA of the Rockies, and it's surrounded on three sides by the National Park. But they still have those day camps. And they also have, if if you're going and you're looking for a place to stay, they have cabins to rent, and they have a lodge as well. Oh, so you can just stay there Uh and you don't have to drive your kids there. You can just open the door and let them run to their camp. Well, yeah, you're a lot closer at that point. But even if you're not staying there, there are lots of activities there. Like they have miniature golf and swimming and roller skating and axe throwing. They did not have axe throwing (laughs) back then. No, they didn't. I would have done that. (laughs) And hopefully that's just for adults. I don't know. They might uh, have little axes for the... (laughs) Children. Yeah, it's a great um, property, and anyone I think is welcome there. They, I remember, well, we're not anymore. <laughs> but, Nor are kids. Yeah. <laughs> but, but anyone else? Yeah, everyone else is welcome there. <laughs> I remember they have like a camp store, and they also had a craft store. Of course, this was a long time ago, where we bought lots of arts and crafts for later. But um, definitely check out the YMCA of the Rockies if you're looking for a day camp for your kids or just for a place to stay. Yes. <laughs> All right. So let, let's talk specifically about the park. Okay. Well, if you don't know anything about Rocky Mountain National Park. It's not that far from Denver. It's about 90 minutes from Denver. It's into the mountains, of course. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons it has so many visitors is that there's all these metropolitan areas. The whole Denver Metroplex is just hour, hour and a half away. And so, yeah, they get, well, in 2021, they got 4.4 million visitors, making it the fifth most visited national park. And if anyone's wondering what the top four most visited national parks were, uh, number one, Great Smoky Mountains. The second most visited was Zion, followed by Yellowstone and Grand Canyon. 
Those were based on the visitor statistics from 2021. And because of all these visitors, the park has a timed entry reservation system. And so yeah. you, you can no longer just show up and get entrance into the park. Yeah, I think they started that a year or two ago. And because it apparently worked so well, they're going to continue it. And you will need reservations if you are going to the park between May 27th and October 10th. Uh, the rest of the year, outside of those dates, you don't need a day-use reservation. And those are the 2022 dates. Right, right. Okay, so there's also, we should mention, there's two types of reservations available. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, this is all on the park's website. Always check the website just in case information has changed. But one permit is for the Bear Lake Road Corridor. And it'll include the corridor and access to the rest of the park. And that's from 5 a.m. to 6 p.m. Right. Now, the Bear Lake Corridor is where a lot of great hiking is and limited parking. So if you want to hike (laughs) some of these great hikes that we're going to talk about, you want to get this day-use reservation because it's the only way you can access the Bear Lake Corridor. Right. And then the second type of permit is for the rest of the park. So it it just excludes the Bear Lake Road Corridor. And that's a 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. timed entry. Which begs the question, can you get into the park before 5 a.m. and after 6 p.m.? Yes, you can get into the Bear Lake Road corridor before 5 a.m. or after 6 p.m. without a reservation. And you can get into the rest of the park without a reservation if you enter before 9 a.m. or after 3 p.m. And when you go to buy these reservations on recreation.gov, they sell them in a two-hour block of time. So you don't have to enter at an exact time. For instance, a block will be 5 a.m. to 7 a.m. or 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. So that's what you're buying. You're buying a two-hour block. And, of course, you're going to need a reservation for every single day you want to go to the park. So if you're going to be there for three or four days – you got to get one for every day. Right, you do. The reservations will become available for, we're talking about 2022. They'll become available on May 2nd at 10 a.m. Mountain Time for reservations to enter the park from May 27th through June 30th. And then they'll become available on June 1st at 10 a.m. If you're going to enter the park for the month of July, they'll go up on July 1st if you're traveling to the park in August and so on and so on. They hold back 25 to 30% of the permits, and these will be available for purchase the day prior at 5 p.m. through recreation.gov. But these always go really quickly, and they seem almost impossible to get. And you still have to get those online. Yes. So so you can't go to the visitor center and say, hey, do you have any cancellations or anything like that? You're not going to get a permit that way. However, if you have a camping or wilderness permit then you don't need to then get also a timed entry permit. So if you have a permit to camp, let's say, that gets you entry into the park for the days you're camping. That's right. I also read that if you have reservations with an outfitter inside the park, let's say you've booked a horseback riding tour, that tour comes with the day's reservation, so you don't need an extra one. However, you want to double check that with whoever your outfitter is, you know, depending on your activity. And everything we say here, it could change tomorrow. So (laughs) look at their website because things do change. But as of this recording, that's kind of uh, the lay of the land for how to get into the park. Right. Very, very important. 
If you've never been there, most of the people are flocking to the east side of the park and to the town of Estes Park. That's where there's a lot of lodging, and that literally sits right outside two of the entrances to Rocky Mountain National Park. Yeah, it's on the east side of the park. Now, that doesn't mean that the west side of the park, which uh, the town on the west side is Grand Lake, that that's not as nice. That's spectacular part of the park also. It's just less populated. It is less populated and less popular because the west side of the park has fewer of the marquee attractions right. that people want to do and the hikes people want to do. So most people are staying on the Estes Park side. However, we've stayed in both and they both have a lot going for them. So, I mean, you can't go wrong. They're no, both... it's just a different feel. Mm-hmm. Grand Lake it has fewer people. Mm-hmm. It's more of a small town. It's more quaint where Estes Park is you know, it's a big bustling town, lots of tourist attractions and shops and stuff. So it's just it's just a different feel. And we'll talk more about Estes Park towards the end of uh, of the episode. Okay, so Karen, I'm just curious, before we like get into the park itself and what you can do there, is there anything about the history of the park that our listeners might want to know? You know, I do believe there is. Is there? Uh-huh. <laughs> I do, I <laughs> could do you t- think Could so. you tell us that? I can. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for that introduction. History Channel today is really all about a man named Enos Mills. Back in 1909, Enos Mills, who was a naturalist, a nature guide, and a lodge owner, he championed the creation of the nation's 10th national park. So he spent years lecturing across the country, writing thousands of letters and articles, and lobbying Congress to create a new national park. Most civic leaders supported the idea, as did the Denver Chamber of Commerce and the Colorado Mountain Club. However, the mining, logging, and agricultural interests opposed it. Nonetheless, on January 26, 1915, President Woodrow Wilson signed the Rocky Mountain National Park Act. Boy, that Woodrow Wilson was a busy guy. We, we he, seem he to was. keep mentioning We him. talked about him last week. <laughs> we did. In relationship to the establishing of the Acadia National Park. Yes, we and, did. And if you haven't listened to that episode, you should do that right after mm-hmm. this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you you could probably say that Enos Mills was the father of Rocky Mountain National Park. Would you would you say that? <laughs> well, yes, Matt. I would absolutely say that okay. that Enos Mills was the father of the park. Um, I don't know if you remember, but the Estes Park cabin where he lived is now a museum, and we went and saw that. Remember, a long, long time we, ago, we did. And as we said, we were visiting this park many years in a row with our kids. And our kids were at that age where if they heard a word that sounded like like a body part, <laughs> they thought it would be funny to like change the name to that body part. So the Enos Mills cabin became the Enos Penis cabin. Oh, God. <laughs> it's, it's what our kids called it. It's, it's, I'm just repeating what our children said. But after years of calling that, to this day, I still call it the Enos Penis Cabin, and I sometimes don't even know that I'm doing that. I was going to say, Matt, I'm not sure it was our kids who first started that. I think it was a really no, we big could, kid. We could blame them. <laughs> no. We gave them life. We, we, could, we, 
we can blame them on a few things. Mm-hmm. If you want to go see the Enos Mills Cabin Museum, it's run by his great-granddaughter, Erin Mills, and she's likely to be your tour guide when you visit. Just don't call it the Enos Penis Cabin in front of her. No, wouldn't, would not recommend that. But that's kind of a fun thing to see if you've got the time. But let's talk about some other things to do. Okay, <laughs> what are the other things to do? One of my favorites, I'll have to stop left. You're going to edit all this out, aren't you? I don't think Enos Penis is going to make the final cut. Oh, you don't? No. <laughs> okay. One of my favorite things to do is to drive the Trail Ridge Road up to the visitor center, the Alpine Visitor Center at the top of the park. We have done that many times and it never gets old. It is such a beautiful drive. Uh, Now this road, it runs for 48 miles between Estes Park on the park's east side and Grand Lake on the west. And it's the only road that goes through the park, completely through the park east to west. Karen, did you know it's also known as Highway to the Sky? I've heard that somewhere. Yeah, yeah, it was completed in 1933. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's the highest paved mountain pass in the United States. Is that right? It seems like we've said that about many roads that we've talked about. Well. But this is it. This is it. This Forget what we said before. This one is the highest elevation road in the United States. No, the highest paved mountain pass, not the highest road. Okay. But anyway, 11 miles of Trail Ridge Road travel above treeline at an elevation of near 11,500 feet. And this is where the evergreen forests stop and you get into the world of the tundra up there. It's very cool. The tundra. Uh It's it's windy up there. It's windy and cold. It is. It's up what? It's like 20 to 30 degrees colder up there than it is down in Estes Park or Grand Lake. It was always fun being from Kansas, and in the summertime, it's oppressively hot, and you go to Rocky Mountain National Park, and you drive up to this visitor center, and there's patches of snow, and you can tell which visitors are from the Midwest, because they always stop at any patch of snow and like make a snowball. Yeah. That was us. There are some uh, pullouts along the road that you can stop and get out and look at the view, play in the snow, take your photos. It's amazing. When you're at the tundra level, the high point of the road is 12,183 feet. That's high. That's up there. (laughs) It is. That's high. (laughs) I think it could be the highest road in the United States. Well, I'll tell you what is for sure. The Alpine Visitor Center at the top is the highest elevation visitor center in the entire national park system. Take our word for that. Mm-hmm. So if you want to drive this road, it's only open from Memorial Day through mid-October when the road is clear of ice and snow. And what makes a, a fun day, I think, is to keep driving. So if you're starting in Estes Park, Keep driving past the visitor center, then down the road, take the road all the way down to Grand Lake. You can have lunch down there and then do the drive in reverse back. Well, exactly. I think a lot of people drive up to the visitor center, the Alpine Visitor Center, and then they turn around and they go back down. But you're missing half of the road. So make a day of it. Drive up to the visitor center, get out. We're going to talk about a short little hike up there in a minute. Um, Do the hike, check out the visitor center, then drive all the way to Grand Lake, see the whole thing. And like you said, Matt, then turn around and head back. That would be a fantastic day. 
It would be. Now, one thing we should mention, and this has uh, happened to me a couple of times, is Estes Park, the town of Estes Park, is sitting at 7,500 feet. And so if you have any altitude sickness issues, just know that you're going to be sleeping at 7,500. And of course, you go into the park and it's up from there. So, uh, you know, just be be aware of that, especially if you're going to do any strenuous hikes in the park, uh, you know, hydrate, Back in the day, I, I don't do this anymore, but I had a, like a medication that I would take mm-hmm. that helped me with altitude sickness. Right. It, it can be a real issue up there. And I know I can f- certainly feel it when we do a lot of hikes. I, I prefer to blame it on the altitude as opposed to just being a little bit out of shape. But um, yeah, you're, you will most likely feel the altitude no matter if you get altitude sickness or not, because everything is at such a high elevation. But before we move on to hikes and other things you can do in the park, we, we should talk about Old Fall River Road. So we talked about this a couple of weeks ago in episode 71 when we talked about our favorite white knuckle drives because Old Fall River Road used to be the road to the top. That's right. And it's still there. Uh, it's not the the main road. The Trail Ridge Road that we just talked about is the main road up to the visitor center. But this one is still... It's still preserved. It's 11 miles long. It's basically a gravel road, and there's a lot of switchbacks. It's a very narrow road. It's one way, and it's kind of to the north of Trail Reach Road, and you can take that up. And, of course, being one way, you have to take Trail Reach Road back down. That's right. This road opened in 1920, and it earned the distinction of being the first auto route in Rocky Mountain National Park that offered access to the park's high country. And it was built following an old Indian pathway. Uh, so it's really fun to drive if <laughs> if you don't mind a little bit of a white-knuckle drive. Uh, there are no guardrails, and as as you said, Matt, it's narrow and steep, and there are switchbacks. But great scenery and lots of opportunities to see wildlife. Yeah, and it's it's not open all year round. It's, it's usually only open early July through early October. Some mm-hmm. of that's depending on the weather, but outside those dates, I wouldn't uh, plan on being able to get up there. And as we said in the other podcast, once they close it to cars in October, then what? You can bike it, right? Or hike it. I think for a few weeks, they uh, leave it open to, well, I think you can hike it, bike it. Yeah, it's just pedestrian. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, when the weather comes in, they'll close it for the winter. I would imagine in the fall with the um, with the trees changing colors, I would imagine that would be a really fun hike or bike ride. Yeah, and it being 11 miles long, you can just go as far as you want and turn around. Yeah, no, we should do that sometime. Well, yeah, add it to the very long list. <laughs> Put it in the bucket. All right, let's talk about hikes. Okay. Now, you mentioned the Bear Lake Road Corridor, and it does have a lot of the best hikes in the in the park. Yeah, and because it has some of the best hiking, the, the Bear Lake Quarter, the parking lots are completely full in the summertime by 8 a.m. And if you want to find a parking spot after that, you would have to circle and wait for somebody to leave. Now, I know in past years they have had a hiker shuttle that will take people out there and drop them off. With COVID, I'm not sure what the situation is with the shuttles, so you could check that online as well. And I also don't know if the reservation system now has made that any easier. I know when we were there in 2018, we got there early and we came out and it was just... Remember? It was packed. I mean, the people were circling the parking lot. Yeah, yes. so it, it could be a little less crowded with uh, timed entry, although yeah. you know, I, I wouldn't plan on that. 
One of the shortest and most popular hikes is right at the Bear Lake Trailhead. It's the loop around Bear Lake, and it's only about 0.7 miles, and it's considered easy. Yeah, and it's also wheelchair accessible, so it's a great hike for anyone of any age or ability. You know what I just thought of? And we're going to talk about a couple more hikes in a second. I just thought of when we were done with our hiking at the Bear Lake Trailhead. We were standing there with our friends, Bob and Sue, and this was a few years ago. And Sue and I went to use the bathroom. And when we came back, Matt, there was a crowd of people around you. They thought you were a ranger. There was and they a were line. Asking you there questions. was a line. And, and I don't know why people... <laughs> They don't they must not have seen the the word introvert on my t shirt. <laughs> or I, wear, I hate most people. <laughs> no, I don't hate most people. Um, but somebody somebody came up to Bob and I were just standing there waiting for you. I, I don't know, maybe I had dark green pants on or something. Maybe I looked like a ranger. You did kind of have the same color clothing. So somebody asked me a question and I must have given an answer in a way that like I thought I knew what I was talking about, which I was just making shit up, right? <laughs> so that they would go away. And somebody heard me give that answer and they got in line behind that person and then a line formed. And you guys came out of the bathroom and I just like, I just walked away. They looked at me like the, the ranger just, just walked away from the line. Sue and I thought, what the heck is going on? There are people lined up asking you questions that I can hear people like, how far is it if we want to go all the way to Emerald Lake? And, and it's the trail rocky. You guys are like, well, it wasn't too bad when we did it. I almost got out my make-believe ranger ticket book and started issuing tickets. No, that's my job. I know, but you had it in the in the restroom with you. So, All right, that was funny. Anyway, sorry we digressed there. So Bear Lake is right there. And then also a fantastic hike that we loved is continuing on. There are three beautiful alpine lakes that you can hike to all in a row, which are Nymph, Dream, and Emerald Lakes. Those are all different lakes. Yes. So Nymph Lake is a 1.2 mile round trip, mm -hmm. but you can continue on to Dream Lake. And if you do that, it turns into a, a total of two miles round trip. And it's about 400 plus feet elevation gain. Yeah, I thought so it was so pretty easy. Yeah, it was mm -hmm. pretty, pretty easy. And then from there, you can then continue to Emerald Lake. And if you do that, it turns into a total of 3.2 miles round trip and an elevation gain of about 700 feet. And that's the hardest section of the hike. Mm -hmm. And we did this just to let people know how it can be different during different times of the year. We were there in May. Was it late May? It was late May. And we couldn't get past Dream Lake because of the snow. Yes. We had micro spikes, which were fine on the ice and snow, and we needed them. But I think it was maybe even too treacherous to go on yeah. further. It was getting deep at that point. End of May, you think it would be full on summer. But of course, up there at that elevation, it is not. Yeah, I, I think if we had our snowshoes, we could have gone further, but we didn't. Yeah. So May still can feel winter-like up there at the Bear Lake area. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
Also along the Bear Lake Corridor is a different trailhead called Glacier Gorge, and there are a couple of great hikes starting from that trailhead. These are all in a row, in a continuous row as well. Now, the first one is Alberta Falls, and that is rated easy. It's uh, 1.6 miles round trip and about 250 feet elevation gain. Alberta Falls. It's a 30-foot waterfall, and it comes down into this narrow gorge on Glacier Creek. Alberta Falls is one of the most popular hikes in the park, and it's easy. A lot of people just go there and turn around. From there, you can just keep going, and you can go to the lock, which is the Gaelic name given to this lake. Yeah, I'm not lock. sure why they gave it a Gaelic name. Lock means lake. And, yeah, like yeah. the Loch Ness Monster. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's really the Lake Ness Monster. Mm-hmm. So that's, if you go to the lock, it turns out to be five and a half miles round trip. And it's moderate, but, mm-hmm. but the, here's the thing. It starts at 9,200 feet. That is high up. Uh-huh. And now it's only 1,000 feet elevation gain. And so 1,000 feet over, over that distance isn't too bad. And when you get to the lake, it's surrounded by the peaks and glaciers of the Continental Divide. And from here, if you have more gas left in your tank, you can continue on to Sky Pond. We haven't hiked this one yet, but I've seen photos of Sky Pond, and it looks spectacular. This is 9.5 miles total round trip. It's rated strenuous, and it's about 1,760 feet of elevation gain. So when you get to Sky Pond, you're at an elevation of almost 11,000 feet, and you will see this incredibly beautiful alpine lake that's surrounded on three sides by these sheer cliff walls. And off to the right, you see the granite spires of the shark's tooth. So these jaggedy peaks sitting above this alpine lake, it is stunning. And this hike went in my bucket the moment I saw a photo of it. Why haven't we done that before? Well, because everyone that we have gone to the park with so far has not wanted to do that strenuous of a hike, whether it be our kids or Bob and Sue. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. When you look at the trail notes, at four miles from the trailhead, you reach Timberline Falls. And at this point, the trail continues up a chute to the right of the falls. And this part is a challenging scramble that climbs 100 feet. It requires handholds. And as they write, the use of all four limbs while ascending. <laughs> like all four limbs, each of us? We have to use all four limbs? Yes. <laughs> Plus, if that's not fun enough, Oftentimes, portions of this scramble might have water flowing as you're climbing up it. <laughs> I don't mind doing a, a four-limb stretch of trail. No, no. I don't either. I just don't do belly crawling underground. <laughs> so if this sounds fun to you, add this to your list. Yeah, so take extra gas. Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, put take some gas. extra gas in your tank for this one. <laughs> gas in your tank. Carb load the night before. Okay, so let's talk about a few trails that are easier that don't require all four limbs (laughs) at at once. Uh, If you drive up to the Alpine Visitor Center, there is an Alpine Ridge Trail and it just, it starts right there from the parking lot and it's 0.6 mile round trip. So it's just 200 feet elevation gain. It's paved. 
It's got a series of steps. We always do that when we go up to that visitor center. We do. And you know, it sounds easy. Oh, it's a half mile, 200 feet elevation gain. But at that point, you are at such high elevation. I just remember I was panting like a dog when we got to the top of that. But you know what? The views from up there are so incredible that it's worth it. So we would encourage, if you're able to, to go on and hike up to the top of that Alpine Ridge Trail. You can also do... Gem-like. Now, Gem-like begins at the Lumpy Ridge Trailhead, and this is just north of Estes Park. It's about three and a half miles round trip and a thousand feet elevation gain. And it's listed as family friendly, but that's if your family likes to hike up a lot of long staircases made from giant rock steps. Our family would never have made that. Nope. Gem Lake is nestled in a really pretty setting surrounded by granite walls. I thought it was interesting that the lake doesn't have an inlet or an outlet stream. It's filled in by trapped snow melt and rainfall. Yeah, it's one of the most popular hikes in the park. So moving on to our last area we're going to talk about hiking would be the Longs Peak Trailhead area. Access to that is on the east side of the park, just south of Estes Park and the two main entrances. You drive south to access this. And before we talk about Longs Peak, which is the big one, there is another very popular hike there called Chasm Lake. We have not done Chasm Lake. No. There's a whole bunch of stuff we still need to do in Rocky Mountain National Park. I know. This one is listed as one of the best hikes in Rocky Mountain. Now, it does require some rock scrambling as well. How many limbs do you need? I'm not sure. This is a a three-limb trail? (laughs) I don't know, but I did see a picture, and there's definitely some rock scrambling. It's nine miles round trip, about 2,500 feet of elevation gain. But again, look up the pictures, a beautiful alpine mountain lake like some of the others we've talked about. So if this sounds fun, add it to your list. I think most people going to Long's Peak Trailhead want to hike Long's Peak. Long's Peak is a 14er. Its peak is at 14,259 feet, and the trail to the peak and back is 15 miles round trip, 5,000 feet elevation gain. It's difficult. It it takes experienced hikers 10 to 15 hours to complete. I think that it cannot be overstated how difficult this hike is. (laughs) Yeah, but back in the day when I was a youngster... um, (laughs) When we were taking the the kids to the park, one of the days, one of the other dads and I left very early in the morning, like 5 a.m., to go hike Long's Peak. And we read the description. We read all the requirements. We really were not qualified in any way to do this trail, but we, we went out to do it anyway. I know. So at the time when you told me you guys were going to do this, I knew nothing about Long's Peak. I hadn't read anything. So I thought to myself, great, go have fun. And now that I have read what this hike entails, I cannot even believe you guys would consider it. I thought we were prepared because in each hand, two of our limbs, we were carrying (laughs) 16-ounce bottles of water. So we had redundancy. We, We had... Plenty of water. Okay. I think maybe I had a compass in my pocket. Not sure what I was going <laughs> to do with that. And a pocket knife. And, and these are two guys from Kansas who live in Kansas. 
who never hike really ever because this is when our kids were small when there were no hiking opportunities so you're gonna start with one of the most difficult 14ers (laughs) i think it was it could have been just an excuse uh not to have to drop the kids off at the y camp but yeah we, we set out to do it now Someone was looking out for us because we head out on this trail. It's like maybe, I don't know, 6 a.m. by the time we start. And it's dark. But we could, even though it was dark, we could see lightning in the distance. And, of course, you never hike in these exposed mountains in a thunderstorm. But, again, it was either hike in a thunderstorm or take the kids to the Y camp. So we continued. <laughs> And, and the first part of the trail is in trees, and uh, I don't know how many miles we went. Maybe a couple of miles into the trees, and the thunder, the thunder got louder. But we kept going, and pretty soon we started seeing hikers come down the mountain, and we knew that they there's no way they could have left early enough to get to the peak and, and come back, and mm-hmm. they didn't do it overnight. And they would say, "Oh yeah, there's lightning up there. Don't go." And every time another set of hikers came back at us, passing us the other way. They were moving faster. And (laughs) finally, after about 20 minutes, this one group comes. They were running. They never even stopped. They're like, yeah, lightning. (laughs) And we knew at that point, I think we just got to tree line and we started running back towards the trailhead. So we didn't do it. Yeah. We we didn't get to the hard part. Thank God, because I'm going to talk about what the hard part entails here. And I should note, this was back in 1995, before we ever even thought about going to all the national parks, before we knew anything. And really before they knew the dangers of lightning. So no, what, no, what? you can't blame it on that. But the NPS does report that only about fifty percent of hikers who attempt Long's Peak actually reach the summit. They're turned back due to number one, the weather, then late starts, and underestimating the physical fitness that's needed to get to the top. So we had two of the three. Yeah, two of the three reasons. Most people, when they uh, hike Long's Peak, they're doing the keyhole route. I believe the other couple of routes up there are technical. So this is the most popular and the least technical, although it only becomes non-technical when the snow melts out of the trough, which generally doesn't happen until late July. Now, the trail description says, I wouldn't know because I didn't get this far, but after about five miles, and the first five miles are pretty strenuous, you then have to traverse a boulder field. So you'd, I'd probably have to put those water bottles in my pocket, probably my back pockets. <laughs> and then you have to ascend through an area called the keyhole. And this, they say, requires class three scrambling. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be a four limber uh, for sure. For sure, for sure. And and I guess they put rangers up there to patrol that area because they <laughs> probably turn people like us away. Yes, who are not prepared. Yeah, I, no, I think I was wearing jeans and my newer tennis shoes, so yeah. I should have been okay. Oh my gosh, it's such a blessing that you got turned back due to weather because I I shudder to think of what could have happened to you and Don up there. We did not need a ranger to tell us <laughs> the the people running with their eyes very wide, scared and, mm-hmm. and frazzled, 
running past us saying, lightning, lightning. That was enough. Yes. In Rocky Mountain National Park, it seems that a lot of afternoons in the summer, thunderstorms roll in. So this lightning is a very serious threat. People have died in Rocky Mountain National Park when they have been struck by lightning. So when you hike up to these areas, make sure you get an early start. Uh, especially on Trail Ridge Road when you're getting out of your car. All these places, we got caught in a huge thunderstorm on a hike, remember? We we did. We started the hike and there wasn't a cloud in the sky, but it took us several hours. And by the time we almost got back to the trailhead, for about an hour, we could hear thunder in the distance. We could see the clouds rolling in. And we timed it just right. I mean, literally like the last hundred feet, we were running to the car and just got in. We got soaked a little bit. But what was odd is as we're coming down the trailhead and walking faster and faster, people were passing us going further into the mountains. I know. Uh, And it was mid-afternoon by that point when the thunderstorms seemed to be at their worst. And you could hear the thunder. So Mm -hmm. so people were, I guess they didn't, they weren't concerned. I'm not here to judge because... (laughs) Maybe they, maybe they had to, they didn't want to pick their kids up at the Y camp, so they decided to go for a hike. Yes, maybe that was it. I did see a note about the Long's Peak Trail, and this is kind of interesting that John Wesley Powell, who was the first person to float the Colorado River through the Grand Canyon, he made the first ascent of Long's Peak back in 1868. Wow, I did not know that. I I would have thought I would have known that, and it's also surprising, and I'm not joking here at all, but didn't he, he lost an arm in the Civil War. Yes. And so the scrambling... That would have been harder for him to, yes. to get up. And then, of course, Enos. <laughs> the uh, father of Rocky Mountain fa- National that's right, Park. The father of Rocky Mountain National Park. He climbed it. They say he climbed it over 300 times. 300 times. Just imagine that. He loved Long's Peak. He owned an inn in the area called Long's Peak Inn. And yeah, he climbed it 300 times. Can you imagine that? No, I can't. No, well, I tried, <laughs> I tried once and I had to run back to the, the truck. So anyway, I think everyone realizes after this that unless you are fit, experienced, and acclimated. (laughs) Yeah, and and have your wits about you. (laughs) Yes. There are other better hikes uh, in the park to enjoy. Now, on the east side of the park, that Grand Lake area, we did the Lone Pine hike. Mm -hmm. And that that was beautiful. That was the one, I guess, we were on when we encountered the thunderstorm. There weren't that many people on the trail. I mean, the crowds are lower. Yeah, this is on the west side of the park by Grand Lake, much less crowded over there. However, you do still, you need a day reservation no matter what side of the park you're on, no matter what trailhead you're going into. Now, the park has unfortunately experienced some pretty big wildfires in the last few years. Yeah, in fall of 2020, Colorado saw the two largest wildfires in state history, the Cameron Peak Fire and the East Troublesome Fire. While the bulk of these fires were on lands surrounding Rocky Mountain National Park, nearly 30,000 acres burned within the park's boundary. That was 9% of the park. Can you even believe that? No. So the fires affected park housing, offices, the park entrance station, trails, campsites, bridges, historic structures and landscapes, fisheries, wildlife, and vegetation. Since then, the park, along with trail crews, partners, collaborators, and hundreds of volunteers, they've all worked tirelessly to repair and reopen the damaged areas. 
Yeah, lots of things were affected. Many things were closed last year due to the fire. I think most of the trails that were damaged have reopened, but that's another thing that you should check before you go. So one thing to remember, and a lot of these trails, uh, and we experienced this back in, in 2018 when we were on a hike, sometimes you're hiking through uh, an old forest fire area and it's burnout. Something to definitely keep in mind is in these burnout areas, there's less shade. And a lot of times you're in full sun during the day and, and it can be meaningfully warmer and you got to take sun protection, extra water if you're going to hike through some of these areas that, that are burnout. Exactly. Especially when you're at that high of an elevation, it makes a huge difference. Yep. All right, camping. There are four campgrounds in the park that you can reserve up to six months in advance at recreation.gov. There's the Aspen Glen Campground, uh, Glacier Basin Campground, Moraine Park, Timber Creek, all four of those. In 2022, they're all open on May 27th. Uh, They close at different times because they're a little bit different elevations, but you can check the closing times on recreation.gov. So which campground was it? Back when we used to go and and take the kids when they were small, which campground did you stay in when when you had the dads and the boys little uh, camping overnight? It was the Moraine Park Campground. So there were three dads and four boys. And they were young. Like around five. Yeah. And I, I'm like not exaggerating. The moment we stepped out of the car to set up camp, it started raining. It stopped raining the moment we got all the stuff shoved back in the car 24 hours later. It did not stop raining for the entire 24 hours. But was it fun? It was so <laughs> miserable. I remember thinking, if you can get through this, you can get through anything. You know, now that I think about it, though, I don't even remember. Did we have a tent and sleeping bags? What did you guys use? We, we had two tents. We had one big tent where the, the kids, all the all the young boys, and one of the dads and I slept in. And then there was like a pup tent that the other dad slept in and we had to put him much further away from us because he snored really loud (laughs) and um, we couldn't get him far enough away. (laughs) And that dad, his name was Jim, all the moms, you know, back at the house, we were worried about our little boys. We, we weren't worried about yeah, our husbands, that worried. but we were worried about the little boys. So we all piled in the minivan and we drove down to the campground. Just We just wanted to drive through and take a peek and see To what see they if were we doing. were keeping them alive? <laughs> yes. And as we drove through, our friend Jim spotted the van. He literally started running after he, us he, because he, he wanted to leave. He wanted he was, us to it, take him. Y- yes. If you had slowed down <laughs> enough, he would literally grab the, the door handle. And, and jumped in. I know. You wouldn't have gotten him out of uh-huh. the car. And that, we, we had been there maybe three hours. Oh, I know. It was a one night deal. Oh, yeah. 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 No, but uh, <laughs> we, we tried to do all the things you're going to do when you take your young kids camping, make a campfire, cook hot dogs, or, you know, go for a little hike. We, we did all of that in the rain. It was, it was raining so hard that it just, it just came through the tent. Ugh. So Moraine Park Campground, really, really enjoy that one. All right. And if you're not camping, if you're not tent camping, where else could you stay? Yeah. Well, Estes Park, has, it's a 
big town. It has plenty of hotels, a lot of cabins and lodges in the area. You got the YMCA of the Rockies. You can stay there or just park your kids there for the day. Mm-hmm. And of course, well, like we said before, on the west side of the park, you have uh, the town of Grand Lake. So there's places to stay there. Yeah. When we went back in 2018 with Bob and Sue, we stayed at the McGregor Mountain Lodge, which is on Highway 34. And we really liked that. We had a cabin there. And that area has a ton of really charming looking lodges and cabins. So check that corridor out. It's not, it doesn't sit inside the town of Estes Park. So you're a little bit away from from the hustle and bustle. Yeah, I like that area and it was pretty convenient. Like we ordered pizza to to go pick it up. It took, I don't know, it just took like 10 minutes. And we were like, what, five or 10 minutes from the entrance to the park? Yeah, yeah, that's a nice little area. Mm, That's a great area. You know, someone asked us when they when they requested that we do an episode about Rocky Mountain, they asked us if Estes Park is like Gatlinburg. The town that sits right outside of Great Smoky Mountain National mm-hmm, Park. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember as a kid, when I was a kid, we, we would go there as a family. And I remember it being much more like Gatlinburg back then. I mean, it was very touristy in the sense that, you know... Popcorn and fudge and ice cream and t-shirt shops and and things like that. I think Estes Park has matured since then. Yes. Yeah. And look, there's nothing wrong with Gatlinburg either. I mean, it's just a different vibe. Uh, It's set up more for tourists. I think, you know, Estes Park has a certain charm. And if you are going with kids, there's a lot of fun things to do in Estes Park. And I think we did all of those Mm -hmm. with the children. Like there's a place there called Fun City has a huge giant rainbow slide. There's also bumper boats, bumper cars, miniature golf, things like that. And we rented boats at the Lake Estes Marina. We rented paddle boats, but they also have pontoon boats and canoes and kayaks. And that was a fun thing to do. Also in the general area, there is whitewater rafting available. And we did that as a day trip, just the adults while the kids were in camp. Uh, That was a lot of fun. Yeah. And another thing you could do uh, horseback riding. There's several stables that you can rent horses. Uh, We did a three-hour ride through the mountains. In the park with the kids. And that was really fun. Although I do remember the next day. I was definitely walking boat-legged. <laughs> yeah, that, that um, it kind of, you have to be in horse shape in, in order to do that. Mm-hmm. And also, I do remember a, at least a couple of times we took the kids on chuck wagon dinners. That's at the YMCA of the Rockies. <laughs> yeah, they, mm-hmm. they put you on a, what one of the dads kept calling it, the hay rack ride. We'd go on a hay rack ride. They would take the horses like 100 feet into the trees and... <laughs> give you a chuck wagon dinner and bring you back. No, it was actually a lot of fun. Oh, it was. We roasted marshmallows. The kids absolutely loved that. That was really fun. Another thing we did that kids love to do, a lot of them, is to go fishing. You can fish in Rocky Mountain National Park. You do need a valid Colorado fishing license for all persons 16 years of age or older. And there are a lot of other rules about fishing inside the park. Um, Check out the park's website. They tell you how many you can catch. They tell you a couple places you cannot fish. You took the kids fishing. We we did. Um, The problem with fishing is every now and then they catch one. And then um, (laughs) the three dads would stand around arguing over who has to take the fish off the hook. Like, like, no, I'm not touching it. (laughs) So, um, you just you put the fish back, right? We did put the fish back. Yeah. I don't know, someone I think we like, like had to take the fish to a stranger. <laughs> so could you, 
Could you take this fish off the hook for us? So if you couldn't take it off the hook, you certainly couldn't clean it, fillet it, or whatever. No, you no, we're not, <laughs> no, we're putting it right back where it came from. Okay, so just a couple more things. As you know, if you've listened to our podcast for a while, when it comes to food and eating out, uh, we're not we're not fancy. We don't seek out the finest restaurants. We're usually happy in a brewery or a bar. But we'll just mention a couple of places that we liked in Estes Park. Well, if you're looking for barbecue, there's Smoking Dave's. That was really good. We've been there a couple times. Great That's barbecue, great. cold beer. Loved that place. Yeah, and really the place probably probably I eat the most when I'm at, uh, in Estes Park is the Donut House, spelled mm-hmm. H-A-U-S. Mm-hmm. And now they used to have their own standalone donut hut, but now they've they had to move into the Sinclair Station. It's called the Tiny Town Sinclair Station. Yes, they're in a gas station. Um, according to their website, and again, you'll have to double check this, it says they're open Wednesdays through Sundays from 6 a.m. to noon. But I believe, Matt... Your advice in the past was get there early because what they sell out of apple fritters or something by a certain time. It's happened. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I I don't. It's too soon to talk about. (laughs) I haven't recovered from the time they ran out of apple fritters, but someday I'll be able to tell that story. But not right now. It's still too soon. Also, there was a good brewery that we liked a few years back called Rock Cut Brewing. I know they frequently have a food truck there outside, and we enjoyed that as well. So there you have it, barbecue, donut, <laughs> and beer. It, it's a wonder we're still alive. We, we have to live fast. We, we do. might not have much time left. That pretty much sums up our diet uh-huh. right there. Yep, there you go. <laughs> yes. So Karen, when should you go to the park? What t- what times of the year? Well, so after listening to this episode, you probably realize that if you want to access Trail Ridge Road and all of these hiking trails without snow, then you're going to want to go July through September. That's your best bet. Trail Ridge Road usually opens end of May, so if you don't mind a little snow, you could, you know, tack on the end of May and June. And of course, it's a year round park. So they have tons of snow activities in the winter. Yeah. And if you're into snow activities, it's a great place to go. Just remember, there's a reason why those permit times of the year are what they are. It's because the rest of the year, it could be cold and snowy. Yeah, absolutely. snowy. It could be Mm -hmm. snowy and icy. So you, you need to be into that. That's right. So I wanted to close this episode with a quote from the father of Rocky Mountain National Park, Enos Mills. When he was working so tirelessly to establish Rocky Mountain National Park, he said, In years to come, when I am asleep beneath the pines, thousands of families will find rest and hope in this park. I would say that his wish came true, wouldn't you? I would say that, yeah. Are you going to cry? You haven't, I know. Cri- you, haven't, <laughs> you haven't cried in a few episodes. No. Oh, here I we know, go. I know. I got a little choked up on that one. <laughs> yeah. So many thanks to Enos Mills for such an amazing park. That's all from us today. Thanks for hanging out with us and indulging our little walk down memory lane. It goes to show that when you take your kids on vacations to the national parks, you make memories that you'll treasure for the rest of your life, your life and their life. 
Another way to make memories with your family is to stargaze. Next week, we'll have an episode about dark sky parks located throughout the United States. You know, kids who grow up in the cities and suburbs don't always have the chance to see the Milky Way. And we'll be sharing locations you can go to see some incredible night skies. That's always one of my favorite things to do when we travel is to look at the stars. So, Matt, what do you think? (laughs) Now that we have more hiking experience, do you think that we could ever summit Long's Peak? I think you and I should give it a go, yeah. We have all four limbs, and and on a day where there's no lightning, yeah, let's do it. I don't think we'd make it past the rangers stationed in the boulder field. Well, we might not. (laughs) 